Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. You hear that? That's the rumble of Jack and Earl trying to cover the sound of thunder. Star Trek Discovery's sixth episode of season two. Enjoy the show. This is one of my uh, most favorite episodes of the season. I really wanted to know what Kaminar was like and what the whole thing, the whole deal with the uh, Kelpians and why Saru was the way he was. So I was really glad that we got to go to Kaminar. So just noticing his face in more detail, does he have three nostrils, one or just the two on the side? You know, I, I think that there are two on the sides. Uh, I do believe that the makeup for Saru has changed over the seasons. They they mo- removed the fear penises. Yes, the 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 fear ejaculations. I mean, the fear erections are gone. <laughs> but besides that, like I think that there are some minor differences on the way that it's applied. There's a there's a nose change, uh, and I think there's some some detail that um, may have altered a little bit. I could be imagining it, but I think that it was very it was very noticeable to me like when the uh, when the second season started. Really? Yeah, like I kind of looked at it like, that's not Saru, because <laughs> he just looked different to me at the time. But I think that now every iteration of Saru kind of just looks like Saru to me. I think I've just gotten really used to it. Well, and there, there could have been the uh, whole idea that we were getting used to the appearance of this new alien being too it's like okay well now we see klingons and we're like well those are just klingons and we can tell that they're klingons but we've never seen a kelpian before you know we're trying to pick out all the details that distinguish a kelpian so there's there's that whole thing too sure sure i mean probably trying to pick out the details that distinguish this kelpian from other kelpians uh, yeah, yeah. I like, mean, because the, the more the more of a, a more of a um, like more of a pullover mask sort of head they have, the more they look alike. Which I guess was part of my um, issue with the Klingons and the fact that their skulls were no longer like genealogically based. You know, like at, at one point you could tell who was Gowron's son by the way that his his riches were. You could tell that Alexander was Worf's son yeah. based on his riches and. The same is not true. I made show of the Discovery Klingons because they all tend to appear the same. So not to get too far mm. off track, I think that makes me feel like we're just really seeing one part of the Klingon Empire, like just fighting amongst itself. Mm-hmm. And maybe just it was so. So like the original theory was that uh, um, there was a difference between Southern Klingons and Northern Klingons in show when we were trying to figure out well why do some have ridges and some don't well i think that was isn't that romulans like the the northerners have the ridges and the the uh well apparently okay i heard that i heard that for the first time the other day i i never realized that there were supposedly southern and northern romulans yeah so this i always thought this is a reference to a show that we have not reviewed yet which is star trek picard um, and in it, she t- uh, the female Romulan who does not have the ridges taps the other Romulan's head and says something about like cheeky Northerners or something like that, and taps his head as if to indicate these Northerners and their ridges. You know, I could be reading into it, but I think that that's what 
what she was getting at, who's the ones with the ridges, are the northerners. I was watching Nemesis the other day, and as I was watching it, I was like, oh, they're all northerners. The entire Senate of the Romulan Empire is all northerners. I can see why someone would want to come in and shake things up a bit. From that perspective, yeah, if they're all, if that's the their division is their own northerners and southerners want the representation then yeah i understand that but i'm pretty sure i heard amongst the fan community their headcanon was their collective head headcanon was that the the klingons with ridges were from a different part of the planet than klingons without ridges i always find it ironic that we always refer revert back to north and south and east and west yeah when those are earth those are Terran names for Terran directions on what their perspective of up and down are on their planet. Yeah, so I don't think Vulcans before the introduction of the English language or Federation standards to the, to Vulcan, I don't think Vulcans called their North Pole North. Oh yeah, oh, they called it something. I think they had their own name. Sure, they have their own name. They called it something. But, they have a name for everything. You know you know, you have to have an identification in some way to distinguish what direction you're going, but they didn't name it North. Sure. Sure, I, I'm heard that um, they had some equally appropriate, semi-pseudo slang term that was quite offensive to anybody who didn't, who lived in whatever direction to which they were referring at the time. So they were, they were viewing uh, in the beginning of their, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think I am. This is the beginning that that we start out in Saru's quarters, right? And we're seeing we actually start out like on Kaminar a little bit, and then as it like it sort of fades into Saru's quarters, and then we see Saru's quarters are like uh, filled with plants, which I thought was really dope. I really like the way that Saru's quarters are, um, and uh -huh. I also enjoyed the um, the little the you know the little uh, opening bit that Saru was saying how uh, none of us can predict where our voyage is going to go and we might have, you know, stuff that brings us down along the way, but we have to learn and grow and um, not only from the experience, but from those who accompany us on our journey, which is so mm -hmm. heartwarming. And those that accompany us on our journey, as we are, you know, ostensibly Michael Burnham, uh, are Sylvia, Sylvia Tilly, uh, helping us review the records from, from the sphere, right? So both these guys they, they have a lot of resurrection in this show I don't know if you've noticed but like so Saru uh, has just undergone the the Varaya and passed Varaharai and passed it and Hugh Culper has gone through death and passed that so like as they're in sickbay as Saru's in sickbay they sort of like I think they sort of share um, a common link between the two Oh, so I, now I understand that scene in the sick bay a little bit, where they pan over to Hugh, and the, you know, I, I don't, I couldn't hear what the uh, voiceover was because I have it turned down, so it's not overwhelming me on on the microphone. But I'm like I've been doing, uh, continuing the tradition of uh, pseudo tr tradition of watching the episode while we're talking about it. Sure. So the thing, the thing that Saru goes over is that like so, while Hugh is lamenting that he doesn't feel like himself, he doesn't like. I'm sure you know going into a new body, your neural pathways have to like change their connections. So this doesn't feel like my hand, even though it's making my hand move, you know, etc. Uh, so what Saru says is that you know perhaps in feeling less like you were, you're you're becoming more like you're meant to be. You know what I'm saying, and that's sort of what happened with Saru too. He's not living in fear, but he's able to be more 
himself this way instead of ruled by this these erections that pop out whenever there's a erection <laughs> moment. Uh-huh. Oh, and I they mention these little these little they, they Discovery also does this cool thing where they mention like little things and then they like let it go for a little while and then they'll bring it back up. Like so Dr. Pollard's looking at her little scan of Saru and she sees that like the the erections have turned into like fear weapons or weapon erections or bullet bullet loaded bullet I don't know bullet loaded penises I have no idea what they were called back of the head guns head guns <laughs> glands guns guns gun glands head cannons it's gun glands that's what they are now. his erections have given away to gun glands so his gun glanzies <laughs> okay. are, are mentioned as a new uh, keratin-based tissue, which is like, isn't keratin? Keratin's what, like your your hair and nails and junk? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, keratin is our hair and nails. Or is that, is that chitin? What's chitin? Anyway. I'm not sure, other than the thing that flies in the sky and is attached to a string that you see on the beach all the time. Kite on, my friend. Kite on. <laughs> so um, like keratin. She's like, is keratin this cool? Keratin is our. You know, please continue. It's the hair thing. I know it's a piece of it. It's your hair. Yeah, it's our hair and nails. It's mostly made out of calcium. Um. So yeah, I mean, it would be. They could potentially be sharp. Um. Therefore, like barbs or like nails or claws. Uh, keratin is the same thing. It's the same material in almost every mammal that makes up their claws and hair and teeth. Not their teeth, I guess. And this has been Stuff You Should Know for uh, December 31st, 2019. <laughs> so as she's, as she's talking about this little... Yeah, I was just making up a date. It's also not December. It's also not whatever day I said it was. She's talking oh. about his new, his new little... Um, his, uh, his fear glands. His glands guns. She said, like, you're, you're not scared anymore. And he's like, well, what am I supposed to do if I'm not scared anymore? Because being scared is what kept me grounded. That's what I had to hold on to all the time, which is sort of similar to Hugh's thing about, like, uh, where happened to my body? What am I supposed to hang on to? Who am I? What am I doing? Et cetera, et cetera. We're back in the ready room, and we have uh, Tyler and Burnham and Pike, and we're talking about uh, the seven signals are believed by Section 31 uh, to be generated by this red angel, which is uh, doing these temporal incursions, right? So, time traveling. So we're starting to like develop a pattern. We're starting to understand there's a pattern to this whole uh, this whole red angel and signal thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think Pike thinks that they're 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 sort of like bent on rescuing things and making things better and improving improving things, right? For for the future of mm -hmm. beings. Uh, but yes. Uh, but the under galaxy. under the advice of of uh, of Spock, she uh, she she well under the advice of, like she I forget when exactly this happens, but at one point he says that he would he would uh, it, it would be unwise to ascribe. Oh, you know what? This takes me actually all the way back to um, to something early in Discovery, where something along the lines of it would be unwise to ascribe to confuse this with that I don't know I don't know it seemed like it was leading somewhere interesting but I, I think that I just lost it so you know I'm sorry 
No, I was enjoying there. listening to. So another signal, another signal is what happens when they're down there just talking about things, and uh, yes, and, it's, and another signal happens. The signal now is outside of Federation space. So this, this is when we learn that Kaminar is not even inside Federation space, not much less a part of the Federation. Uh, mm. So, uh, so this harkens back to one of the Discovery short treks, um, which yes. is called. What, my faithful co-host Earl? Oh, I'm Gray. I'm sure knows <laughs> what that uh, episode was called. It's not called the Sound of Thunder because it's this episode. It must be called the Brightest Star. He pulls from his memory. He's so proud of himself for remembering it. Yes, he is. It's called the Brightest Star. So it's when Giorgio goes down to. Um, so when actually so. Saru keeps is you know is at home being uh being a Kelpian being uh being your livestock of old for the uh for the Baul and uh, the little things start falling off the little uh little obelisks that control their movements in their days and he puts it together and creates a communication device and communicates with the Federation Giorgio is the one who comes and finds him and she ends up taking him away from his people to go join Starfleet somehow I don't know if that's like a violation of the Prime Directive but it kind of seems like maybe there might be a violation of the Prime Directive I'm not really sure right um, because right? they specifically reach out to the Federation and they're definitely like well they're not pre-warp I guess because of the Ba'ul but I'm sure if they reached out to try to like hey who contacted us the Ba'ul would be like uh, it wasn't us go away leave us alone so I don't know it kind of seems like there might be a Prime Directive well, issue here yeah I mean it kind of harkens back to it within our timeline when uh, back in the 80s when Data responded to a communication from Sarjenka. Um oh here's yeah Sarjenka. Now this is like I I'm, I just started the short trek and it's it's funny cuz a kelpian is pulling up kelp seaweed out of the water. Oh yes, this constantly happens. It constantly happens where like kelpians are around <laughs> kelp and they're moving around kelp. I think they eat kelp and they like live it, like all about kelp. And that's why they're kelpians. <laughs> Just like oh, Kieran yeah. Reese's people was all about their nose makeup, and that's why she was Kira Nose in Spanish, if you will. Kelpians, Kira Nerese. I, I never knew that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that Nerese means nose in Spanish? <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, that's that's what it means. That's why I assume her name is Kira Nose. Uh, Kayla Kayla brings the the ship out of warp. You know, she's uh she's super important. I don't think we've ever we've ever even discussed like the whole change from uh from from uh, from Kayla of Kayla Detmer from um, you know uninjured to I got a blue eye and a half android brain now all caused by Michael Burnham ostensibly although who really caused it I don't know who knows uh, I'm gonna we're say that back to the episode I'm gonna now? say that Takuma caused it oh yeah I was because I told the whole story the whole story of uh brightest star okay. uh, of course now my device is not reacting so I can't go back to what you're talking about oh you poor thing you gotta you gotta move move <laughs> quick on your feet you gotta have like multiple screens open um, so Kayla has to report that whoops the signal's gone before they even got there which sucks and Pike was like okay yeah we knew this was gonna happen like whatever signal's not there uh, so 
we're doing scans, 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 and then we try to find. Uh, so we're trying to find the angels, but then the you know reach out to the Baul, which, as I was saying a moment ago, is what uh, Georgios people should have done in the first place was reach out to the Baul because the Baul are like the dominant species there. So I don't know. I don't know why she didn't or how she super super circumvented them. She super circumvented them. This is not Kate Mulgrew, but you are listening to Let's Talk About Treks. Now let's get the coffee out of that nebula. <laughs> Stop kicking. So I thank you for bearing with us for that brief break. I hope the long commercial uh, messages weren't weren't too spacey. <laughs> spacey. Um, uh, so <laughs> we are uh, about to go to Kaminar. And uh, Captain Pike's like, uh, yeah, Bernie, you should go down there because you're that uh, xenoanthropologist person, right? So that would be the you'd be the person. And Saru's like all, all uh, in his little pissy pants, and he storms up to Pike, and it's like, I was sure at this moment that um, Saru was going to uh, to knock the crap out of Pike for questioning his um, his ability to, to conduct the mission, you know, with with professional distance. There is a scene that's pretty important about the uh, evolution of Culber, where uh, you know Samus is all excited about the scar being gone, and and Culber's like freaking out because like it's sort of like uh, harkens back to Doctor McCoy's like I need my pain, you know, like he has to he has mm-hmm. this thing that reminds him that is that he's him, and now that it's not there, who is he, you know? When uh, when they cut to that scene, they're zoomed in on his shoulder and they're pressing the hypo spray. My favorite characters have always been the doctors, and I want I've got like a healing desire and i noticed like the hypospray is something a little bit bulkier than beverly's hypospray but it's not the long kind of still almost like a syringe type hypospray that mccoy was using oh sure Um, those those come later i mean we've always known noticed that the uh, discovery seems to have more uh like prototype technology than than other ships seem to have so maybe McCoy's hyposprays are just uh, you know what is the current model and they've yeah. got the prototype model they're um, slightly more advanced you know yep uh, and so what really annoyed me was that Paul then moves on forward to tell the story of what happened in Colbert's life that is the most annoying thing when someone else tells a story for you and I really get annoyed when I hear people telling other people's stories. Like, those are their stories to tell. Why are you telling someone else's story? Yeah, how do you know you that they want to share this aspect of their life with this other person? Yeah, that's true. That is that as well. Um, or, or that community. I believe that now we're synced what? up to the part you were talking about with the uh, bubble pylon that we're messing with. Yeah, I'm uh, just looking at the scene where uh, uh, Saru is reunited with his sister, and they're kind of in the garden. I'm paused right now, but I've always noticed that um, the engineer, his, his smile at the end of that scene, just to me, looks so fake. Like, it's the biggest, forced, fakest smile that he's like, I'm happy about this thing that I've got my husband back, but I'm I don't know. It's just I, something seems fake about it to me. Oh, I think that's probably the way it feels to uh, Colbert too. That's probably the idea, and it's the idea that uh, Stamets is actually living in a fantasy that he got, you know, his husband back in. And Colbert, it's going to be just the way everything's yeah. going to be, just the way. And Colbert's living with the reality of 
I am not that person who I was before. Yeah. I mean, this is weird. Yeah. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about anything when nothing feels the same. Like, if I reach out to touch my partner and they don't feel the same as they did, like, a moment ago, then that's going to be mm-hmm. strange, right? I understand where they're each coming from. And I also understand Stamets' tendency to, like, live in, like, a rainbow world in, in reality and live in, like, a dark and brooding world in engineering and science. One of the things I've noticed about the Kelpians is that they have digigrade feet. They walk on their toes, like... Sure, they have hooves. Canines and felines do. Oh, they have hooves? Yeah, they have hooves. I think that when he said that we are your livestock of old, like, the more I look at Saru, the more he actually looks like a cow. Okay. And then they have, like, cows, so it's like, oh, they're kind of, like, designed after something that we would identify as livestock, which would be cows, because he has, like, kind of a cow nose. Uh Uh-huh. And kind of, like, the color of a cow's udders and walks on sort of the same legs that the back legs of a cow you know, work out as. Which which are being hooves, they are, would be considered digigrade feet. Right. Um, but they've invented shoes. And I've, when in my uh, role-playing online, if, if I play a character that's digigrade, I've always insisted that that character had to be barefoot all the time. Kind of like Lieutenant Dax from Star Trek VI, where they show, you know, they find the boots and they're regular, they're normal human boots, but Lieutenant Dax's feet are all mangled and 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 warped and clawed, and they're still plantigrade feet, but um, like these could not be Lieutenant Dax's feet from Star Trek VI. Sure, absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. And I've always stood by the idea that Starfleet would allow my character to as a digigrade since they don't make digigrade boots to be barefoot all the time as a part of their uniform yeah, and now a... I'm seeing that Saru at least has digigrade boots and it's he... like okay how do I still avoid wearing footwear uh, <laughs> see that's the thing so it's not so much because you know assuming that Starfleet is going to be racist enough to not offer the same clothing items to every species is a problem well, but, I mean, I didn't think of it as racist. I thought it was accommodating that I, my character just wanted to be barefoot, sort of. What if a human wanted to walk around barefoot? Could they use the precedent of, well, you let the digigrades walk around barefoot, why can't I? I never thought about it from that perspective. I think that human feet are a lot more vulnerable and a lot more, or a lot less resilient to uh temperature changes and same is true of human sharp, skin sharp te- so does that mean that all texture of texture changes yeah human skin is also different well does that mean the other species yeah, wouldn't and, have to wear humans... clothes <laughs> and then well, if so could the humans say well that's I, not fair how do i get to not wear clothes too there are plenty of humans that would rather not wear clothing there are that's exactly and, my point um so, so wouldn't Starfleet ships in the future, if digigrades didn't have shoes made for them, wouldn't uh, most of the Starfleet ships be full of naked humans also? <laughs> well, we're trying to keep it to a TVPG show, but in reality, if that were to happen, maybe a minimalist amount of clothing to just hold rank ins- insignia? 
get that tattooed on, especially if it was sequential. I could get like one dot and then two dots and then an open dot. Sure. Get this tattooed on, and you could like do a gold bait lay with them. Could you could you have a, a combat tattooed onto you and still be able to communicate with it? Well, I mean, this could is Star Trek. I'm sure you could get yeah, you, could yeah, do. absolutely. I would definitely have an implant put in. <laughs> I put it right in my right butt cheek, Rather and then, then whenever whatever I needed to be beamed up, I would tap my right butt. <laughs> <sighs> but then every time you sat down, you're gonna butt dial somebody. No, no, no. It's gonna. It's not gonna be on that part. It's gonna be like on the side. You would literally have to butt dial somebody. I, I put it on the you side. You would literally be butt dialing somebody every time. Like I could never sit with like a gangster lean because then if that's oh, so bad. Be like a cutie would... mark. Um, I don't like know what that means. Mark. I don't know what that means. It's an identifying mark that characters in. I'll tell you after the show. Is this is this My Little Ponies? Is that what this is? <laughs> um, no. I'll is this, tell you is after this, the show. Is this My Little Pony? You're not, but you're. Why? What my cutie mark is telling me? What is their cutie mark? Little pony quiz. What is your? Pu- I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little pony quiz and I'm gonna find out what my cutie mark is. <laughs> find out what my cutie mark is because that's what it brought me to. My little pony has unique picture-like symbols located on the ponies and zebras' flanks or haunches. These cutie marks add on their already present cuteness. If you were one of the crews, which of the cutie marks do you think you would get? Take the quiz to find out. What are you best at? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. Uh, Oh, these are questions and answers. Oh, what in the world? How do I find out? Okay, but how do I how do I how do I score yeah, my quiz? Yeah, I, I, I don't like that there are uh, probably a multiple choice. Take the quiz to find out. What's your favorite color? Oh, uh, I'm gonna say blue. Oh, there's no way for me to mark these answers. Oh, this is this is the worst. Who's your favorite? My Little Pony. I don't I don't have one. I do like the name Applejack though. I think it's like slightly pornographic. <laughs> so I'm gonna do that. Well, it's also a cereal. It is. It is a cereal. It's multi-use. It's a Twilight Sparkle. Okay. Um, what do you do with your friends? Watch TV, play outside, try on clothes, tell jokes, dance, or talk. What do I like to do with my friends? Oof. Tell them to go home and leave me alone. They want is to that, narrow you down into the option? box of one of the main six. Oh, I guess try on clothes. What do I like to do with my friends? Try on clothes. Okay. <laughs> Wait, that does imply that we have to take them off, correct? Because that's what I most like to do with my friends. What do you do when you are bored? <laughs> well, except ponies don't usually wear clothes. They they don't. Um, that's what do you do? What do your friends describe you as? Uh, I don't know. Smart, funny, hardworking, kind, gorgeous. Uh, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I can't do this quiz. What's your favorite animal? An owl, a puppy, a little kitty, a bunny, or a horse. What if it's not a little kitty? What if it's just a cat? <laughs> er, I mean, it's not, so it doesn't matter. And none of my my favorite animal is not on here. It's a platypus. <laughs> it's a platypus. That's that's okay. That's option G. How many options? What are you most likely to put in your hair? A flower, a top hat, whatever's in style. A pretty barrette, a crown, a bow. I don't do hair. Um, what am I most likely to put in my hair? Is shampoo one of the shampoo is not one of the options? I don't know. Okay, so option H, shampoo. This is a write-in. I have to do a whole write-in thing. I hope they don't storm the Capitol and try to overturn my results because I have all these write-in answers. Um, what is your dream job? A singer, a fashion designer, a teacher, an athlete, a farmer, a mom. What is your dream job? A mom, an actress, a mom. A, a mom? 
My dream job is a mom. That would be the only a one. Mother. Yeah, that's the only one that I can, a singer, a fashion designer, a teacher, an athlete, a farmer, a mom, an actress. Yeah. So there are two things that I couldn't possibly be only if I was in a dream. No, there's only one actually because I could get gender reassignment surgery <laughs> if I really believed in it. Um, so I could potentially be an actress. I could be a farmer. I could be an athlete or a teacher or a fashion designer or a singer. The only thing I couldn't possibly be, and it would have to be my dream job, I'm just figuring this quiz out logically, right, is a mom. <laughs> that is the only one that can only exist in my dreams because I can never be someone's I'm, mom. I'm pretty sure that that's not what they're talking about. I can Oh. I would, I'm just answering. They should be more clear with their questions than they really should. <laughs> I don't think you're the intended audience of that clip. They should be as clear with their questions are as um, Tilly and Burnham are when they are looking over the history of the planet uh, Kaminar and they discover that there's been sort of like a, a, a yin-yang give-take, kill, 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 sort of like, sort of reminiscent of pull out your bingo card, Battlestar Galactica, where the the, the humans killed the gods, and the gods killed the humans, and then blah, 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 and they just back and forth, back and forth, trying to, each one trying to, like, get, gain a significant edge over the other one. So this, we're in a cycle right now where uh, Kaminar's Kelpians are the livestock of old because with their, um, with their glands guns, they sort of like took down the Ba'ul and the Ba'ul had to fight back real hard. So they created the Baharai and the balance to keep the, um, keep the, keep the Kelpians uh, subdued so that they could, you know, coexist on the same planet. Now that all this is out in the open, we can start to move on with, uh, with reality and we don't have to hide things. Um, and by the way, at some point along the way, Saru, what, what along hiding? with the crew of Discovery, uh, decides to, uh, Send all of the Kelpians on the planet through their Varharai. Well, 63% of the Kelpians have uh, have gone through Varharai at, at, I think, our last count. And that is a lot of people freaking out all at the same time and dropping their free erections and those turning into uh, the glands guns. <laughs> so it's a lot of glands guns suddenly, uh, suddenly uh, up against the Ba'ul. Hmm. Baul are mad. Glenn's guns users are mad. But, you know, they promise they're going to get it together. They're going to be friends. One of my favorite lines in the episode is, uh, do humans from Earth drink tea? Because my answer is, what are you talking about? The, uh, the humans from... Do Kelpians from Kelpia or Kaminar, um, do they drink tea? Because, do you speak English? Do you drink tea? Hmm. Okay. So my favorite line of this episode came from the previous episode, and it's the line that where Saru is like, "All of the things that we have been told to believe up until now has been a lie." That's that's like the most my, my favorite dramatic reading, and Sarana, at first angry that Saru has come and used coming home, to see her. Uh, it was a it was a ruse because he was just trying to press her for information and find out if she she saw this if he saw this other thing he wasn't really coming home for her, but then when she sees the angel and everybody goes to Farharai and everything's cool and the world's gonna be a better place she's like oh, this is what you came to find, a savior, and then I'm mad because you know having gone through the whole season I'm like oh really is that what we're talking about? Are we calling the red angel a savior? Is that what we're doing? 
Sure. So the secret the secret background well, information is that, that the same time we were the same time we were filming this episode, this episode called uh, mm -hmm. you know the Sound of Thunder, we were also filming at the same time. Guess which episode of the Short Treks series? Um, that would be the brightest the star, one sir. We were just talking about yeah, yeah. So they they filmed them at the same time, yes. so that they could like have the two different things go on. But still have two different have, have two different stories, but still use the same sets and stuff. Pretty dope. Good idea. I like how they did it. It's almost like they had like some backstory, and they just instead okay. of sticking it into the episode, making the episode longer, they just made it its own separate thing, which I've always aggrieved is a uh, is a great thing. I've always liked that. Maybe that's why they uh, decided to do some of these short treks, is so they could keep the episode at a reasonable length, or what they consider a reasonable length. But also in, in interject the this other information that they want you to have. Oh, I see. Yeah, fair enough. Although, I mean, you'd figure that it'd hopefully be information that wasn't as pertinent to fans that don't know about the short treks or don't want to watch the short treks or just just for whatever their reasonings don't watch the short treks. Because sure. for me, at first, I wasn't I I wasn't sure what they were. I thought that this was some sort of uh, after show, like the Ready Room with Will Wheaton. Yeah, not so much. Totally different thing. And uh, I, I didn't want want an after show because I was afraid they were going to spoil like, next week. Yeah, they, they then came I out. Found out. Yeah, they came out between the seasons though, so that was that was so. Uh, receiving them as they arrived was kind of like the the way that you are signaled to like oh this is the next thing to watch i i also have another neat footnote about this episode and that is that uh the guy the big guy the big mark okran guy right conversational klingon klingon dictionary yes guy created me created klingon language he um he also created the vulcan language and guess what other language he created you'll never guess that's right the kelpian language he created the kelpian language as well so we've now had mark okran around for a billion years creating languages for Star Trek that sound very different from one another, which is kind of cool. Pretty cool. Interesting other footnote, the original creator of the original Klingon herd in the motion picture was James Doohan. Was it now? Scotty. That was the, uh, yes. the guy, the guy, uh, <clears throat> the guy, uh, the guy who did all the, uh, he did so many voiceovers, so many voiceover voices. I was surprised that, oh yeah, so he also yes. did, uh, oh, I can't talk about it yet. It's something that happens in, in season three. We'll get there one day, one of these days. Uh, so we've, <laughs> we've cured for Harai. One day, maybe. We've made friends of the Kelpians. We're getting the pieces set into place. You know, this is this thing is coming together. Okay. So, uh, so I think that's the episode. That's the episode, right? That's the, uh, that's the thing. Well, that's, um... They're arguing with the uh, black gooey bad guys right now. Oh yeah. Oh, you know what? I forgot. They, uh, so they did the thing. They did the Vaharai, and guess what happened then? So then, uh, so then the Red Angel pops in. Yeah, yeah. So the Bao, the Bao, uh, uh, what's his name? Pike, the Pike guy. He says this whole speech about like, I'm not gonna let you yeah. do this. This is some bullshit, Bao people. <laughs> You're not gonna do a whole genocide thing the Ba'ul are like oh yeah we are going to do a whole genocide thing watch this and as they do the whole genocide thing the red angel pops in and stops the whole thing from happening and then Saru who has the best eyes of everyone so far clearly better than Lorca's um, he sees the red angel 
which looks like a human wearing a super high advanced suit. He doesn't quite notice that this human in the suit has like very similar dimensions to Michael Burnham, but you know, because he's not an android, I'm sure Data would have been like, uh, homie, that was you in the suit. You were totally like wearing a suit in front of me <laughs> and like acting like I couldn't tell that that was you from your clear spatial dimensions. Like, let's get it together. Clearly, this is you anyway. So, too bad we don't have Data because Data definitely would have seen that. But, Rama. There you we think? are. Yeah, there we have it. I don't know. I, I think it's done. I think we're done with episode six. Okay. And um, I don't okay. know which episode of, of our show this is, but I hope that by now, uh, we'll ball it. by next time we have uh, a show, we'll, we'll have some mailbag stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work to make that happen. I'm really not. It's probably going to be like two more episodes out, but we'll start doing mailbag soon, you know, because we'll start releasing things soon. We have enough that I'm going to be able to to get this thing together and... Um, and start putting putting some out there. Uh, if only, if only, my friend, we can come up with a name. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3 Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.